Welcome to Multiple Revenue Streams, the podcast for anyone who wants to start a side hustle, business owners who wish to expand, entrepreneurs who build brands, and moms who build empires. I'm your host, Linda Payan, and I'm here to encourage you to keep going, do the little things every day, and start building a revenue stream that you are proud of. Please sit back, relax, grab your sparkling water, and let's find it. Today we have Sarah K. Heater, who is a full-service podcast producer and strategic consultant. She is the CEO and founder of PodFox Media. She directly produces more than 20 current shows and has consulted on hundreds of others. Considering herself as a professional feminist, she believes in helping people who feel underrepresented to build their own platforms and use their voices because their voices matter. Sarah is also the co-host of Big Brave Business, a podcast and community for entrepreneurs who feel lonely or isolated as business owners, and the host of the Troop Leader Experience podcast, a podcast for Girl Scout volunteers. In addition to podcasting, Sarah is a university professor teaching courses in community resilience, American democracy, and public service. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. That bio really makes me sound all over the place, doesn't it? Multi-passionate. You're phenomenal is what you are. <laughs> oh, thank you. Back at you. <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad to have you on the podcast today. I'm so glad to be here. It's going to be fun. It will be. So I just wanted to ask you a few questions. Why did you start your business and why do you continue to do it? Okay. That's a great follow-up. So the reason I started my business is not a tremendously happy reason, or I guess the inciting incident. There was an inciting incident, and that is that after massive rounds of layoffs, my job was not immune and my job was cut. And I had been working for a small business in my area and working for entrepreneurs. I had been studying entrepreneurship for several years, so I had a million ideas of things I could do to start a business. But I would not have done it while also throwing myself into a corporate job or a nine to five. I was giving so much of myself, and I, I think so many people can relate to this, where you pour so much into that job, you come home, and you still have to make dinner, you have to put laundry in, you have to you know, vacuum, whatever it is. Then by the time all that is done, you're depleted and you just need to go to bed. Or you just need to zone out and binge watch Netflix or something like that. And then you wake up to do it all over again. And weekends are more for getting things done and recharging just to go back into it again. So I didn't have anything left extra to start a side hustle. And and I so admire people who do have that. I did not have that. I did not have the boundaries in my life to be able to start something on the side. Did you work a 40-hour week or was it way more? It probably was closer to 50 to 60 hours, realistically. And more than the hours, I would say it was throwing my time and talent in. You know what I mean? It was my emotional and mental bandwidth that was 
completely invested in somebody else's vision, in somebody else's legacy, in somebody else's mission. And at the end of the day, I didn't have enough left for me and what I wanted. And that all really got shown in a spotlight when my job was eliminated as the primary earner for my family of five. My husband was a grad student at the time. So he was working part-time at a movie theater and (laughs) getting his master's. It really showed me how skewed my priorities had been in making that job everything. And that was just a huge, all of those were huge factors. All of those details were huge factors into I'm emotionally exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted. I'm hurt and heartbroken over losing this job. And I can't imagine walking through the doors to try to put myself out there for another job right now. I just couldn't. So you were just drained, emotionally drained because of all the work you had done, all the time and effort you had put into somebody else's dream only to get let go. Exactly. And they still got to move forward with my contributions, the things that I'd built. And I was left essentially holding the bag. They just decided I'm done paying you. And I think this is one of the reasons why the overlying topic of your podcast is so important with multiple revenue streams, because it really showed me how much my family's financial well-being and frankly, security and safety was wrapped into them wanting to continue to pay me. And as soon as they didn't want to anymore, oh my gosh. I mean, that's the roof over my kids' heads, right? Right. We talk about security and a lot of times people think they have security in in a corporate job because, you know, they get that paycheck every week. They've got the health benefits. They've got everything, you know, that corporate America quote unquote offers. But when the rug is pulled from underneath you, you have nothing right? You might exactly it's limiting. Or what did you learn from that when you started your new business regarding multiple revenue streams? And, and how did you go about doing that? So the first thing I would say, and this is probably not really a real definition of multiple revenue streams, but the first thing I thought of is how I build a business around monthly recurring revenue. So I do know what I can expect to get in. And every first of the month is not a brand new hustle, which is something I witnessed in my dad. He worked in the car sales industry when I was growing up and he could have a great month or a terrible month, but come the first of the next month, it was a brand new month and he was hustling every single month from scratch. So building in recurring revenue was a big thing for me and also client-based work where if one client needs to turn over for any given reason, it's not going to derail my whole business. So that was the first thing. Then also thinking about How do we create additional offers that can bring in additional revenue streams uh, more passively? And I have a I have a print on demand Etsy business as well, where I create designs and upload them and then I can sell like apparel through Etsy and I don't have to keep the retail items on hand or worry about shipping them out. That's all done behind the scenes, which is great. So it was figuring out how can I build in these other things that are a bit more passive while I'm doing this hands-on client work. So let me ask this, with your printing company, are your clients similar to what your clients are in the podcast world, Um, maybe relating to one of your podcasts that you have, or are they just totally different people? So 
You mentioned in my bio that I actually personally host two podcasts. One of them is my longest running current podcast, which is the Troop Leader Experience, which is a podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. I obviously cannot sell anything to them under the branding of Girl Scouts because clearly that is an existing, very protected, trademarked brand, but I can sell things that would appeal to them. So that's what I tend to do is I offer resources to them to help help them be better prepared as volunteers in charge of kids. And also I offer apparel with like an if you know, you know, that's the best way I can think to describe it, where it's using words or phrases that somebody who does it would totally get and it would really appeal to them without violating any trademark <laughs> <laughs> oh, exactly. My my husband is a Boy Scout. He was a Boy Scout troop leader and he's very involved in Boy Scouts with our kids. So there are definite sayings that you would know if you're in Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts. Yeah, I have things like, I'm sorry for what I said during cookie season and don't make me use my troop leader voice. Those <laughs> kinds of things that people can totally relate to. And yeah, so it's related to one of my personal podcasts primarily. I do have some podcasts podcasting, I guess you could say merch. I have some podcasting apparel that is, uh, I'm working on building that out. That's more of a, if you know, you know, for podcasters, since that's primarily who I work with. And I'm building a community and a following to help people strategically podcast. So I'm working on building that up as well. Primarily right now that print on demand arm of my business is geared towards troop leaders. Okay. That's awesome. Let's talk about your other podcast while we're on the topic of podcasts. So you're <laughs> Big Brave Business Podcast. You recently started that, correct? Yes. My first hire team member who is a virtual assistant and digital marketer, Amanda, she lives in Alabama. I live in Arizona. She came onto my team for PodFox as a client experience manager, but she also works for lots of other clients as a virtual assistant. She and I really, really hit it off. And it really, for me, demonstrated clearly how relieved I was to have friend in business. I was so jealous when people would talk about business besties or business BFFs. And I really craved that. And I would join these group programs and I would try to make connections with people. And I did make some good connections, but I hadn't found that magic. And I just felt very lonely and isolated working from home, from my computer, on Zoom all day. And I craved that bestie friendship that I could also talk about entrepreneurship with. When she and I were talking about starting a podcast for a while. We talked about all kinds of topics we could do and how we could build them. And then we both kind of realized, do we have time for like an additional entire business? Probably not. So we should probably do a podcast that's actually related to what we already do. So the whole premise of Big Brave Business is to feel like you're sitting down to coffee or lunch with your business besties to just talk about things related to running a business online. And we want to build a community community of business besties, people who have similar values to us and can relate to the kinds of things that we go through as business owners so that we all don't have to feel like we're doing this alone. I love that. I remember years ago, I had a friend who was a customer of the business that I had. I had my own business. This was probably, I don't know, a, probably a 
a decade ago, my youngest was going to kindergarten and she's like, are you going to go get a job now? And I was kind of taken aback because I was working well over 40 hours a week on my own business. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't really know how to respond to that. I'm like, don't you think I work? Yeah. And I, my two best friends who I've been friends with for many, many years since college, and they are both aspiring C-suite, you know, leadership loving corporate women. And I used to be one of them. And it has been very strange to them to see this evolution into I love entrepreneurship. And honestly, I hope I never, ever have to go back to working for someone else. I don't ever plan to. I absolutely love this. I feel like this unlocks this like, quote unquote, secret to freedom in so many ways. And all the ways that I wasn't fulfilled in working a quote unquote, real job are all those boxes are checked. So but they can't quite understand that. And they support me and they love me and they're cheering me on. And they are excited when I'm celebrating a win, but they don't really know what that means. They don't really know what I'm up against. And they just can't relate because it's not a priority to them. It's different. Absolutely. Very different. Yeah. So I think big, brave business is so needed for all. There's just a lot of toxic business advice out there and coaching and mentoring and business spaces where people it's driven by guilt and shame. It makes you feel bad about yourself or like you're not doing enough or feeding into these white supremacist and male dominated stereotypes and systemic issues. And it feels icky. It feels icky. So we just want a space that feels positive and fun and encouraging and empowering and not problematic and just have a good time together and make money, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's one reason why I started this because there was a lot of ickiness out there. And I thought, let's just have some real conversation. Glad you're here and very exciting things that you're doing. So we've talked about your Big Brave Business podcast and the Girl Scout Troop Leader podcast. Let's talk about your PodFox company that you're starting. Now, how long ago did you start that? How many team members? do you have? We'll start there. And then the question is still come. So I technically started my business in 2019, but I was really hung up on how do I name a business? This is really common. We hear this all the time. And if you have a business, you can probably relate. And if you want to start one, you can probably relate, which is we get hung up on these things like, what's my logo going to be? What's my color scheme going to be? What's my website need to look like? What's my business name going to be? And you come up with all these cute things. Well, I'm a very creative person. But when it comes to something like naming something or titling something, I really struggle. Like I have a master's degree and all my papers in my master's program are like the most boring titles <laughs> you can think of. Just totally simple, straightforward. I'm just not a creative titler. And when it came to naming my business, it felt very stressful to me. I had been studying entrepreneurship for a while. So I knew that you should be keyword friendly. People should be able to tell what you do from the name of your business. When people search for it, you want them to find you, all these things. And I just couldn't come up with anything. So I just decided to do business by my name, Sarah K. Heater. And I just was like, I already have this name and I don't hate it. And I'm going to have it my whole life. So I'm just going to move forward with this. I had been helping people. I had my own podcast. I had helped other people start their podcast.
podcasts, including the company that I was working for when my job got eliminated. And they actually ended up, I kept their podcast after I left that company and they became my first client. So that's how basically it was a skill that I had that I already had spent time learning how to do and how to do it well and effectively and get results because it was part of my job. (laughs) So helping other people start podcasts seemed like a very natural thing. And uh, as I mentioned before, it built in that multiple client scenario, monthly services with a recurring revenue uh, stream for me. And so it just kind of happened naturally. And PodFox, the name, really came to me a couple years in. I knew it was going to be a big ordeal to roll it out. I didn't necessarily know what the best timeline was going to be be, but uh, 2023 it is. So we technically started doing business last year as PodFox, but really just all behind the scenes. Publicly, I was still very much doing business just as me, Sarah K. Heater, a business built mostly on referrals. I did hire my first two team members last year, as well as a couple of contractors for project-based work. As I mentioned, I have a client experience manager, Amanda, who I ended up starting Big Brave Business, the podcast with. And then I also have an associate editor who is ironically or not. I don't know if that's ironic. My husband. <laughs> and so he's come into the business as an associate editor, which allows us to take on a lot higher bandwidth because there's only so many hours in the day. So to edit people's podcasts, there's only so much so many podcasts I could do. So bringing on another editor who I'm very close to physically so I can really make sure that the quality of the work is going to be on par and up to standard and fits right in with the rest of what I'm producing has been really helpful. I've seen a huge evolution since bringing them on. So this year I'm hoping to bring on two more and we'll see how it grows from there. (laughs) That's exciting. Very exciting. If you could go back and give your 18 year old self a piece of advice advice, what would it be? I think I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit. My dad was uh, an entrepreneur off and on (laughs) throughout my upbringing. It didn't always go great. So I think that's part of the reason why it was really squashed in me. My mom had a lot of anxiety around entrepreneurship because she was formerly, definitely not anymore, married to my father. (laughs) And and was the partner through a lot of those not so successful learning experiences for my dad. Uh, But I had that same inclination where I would look at what other people were doing and think I could do that better. And I wish that I could tell my 18-year-old self to pursue that entrepreneurial spirit while I was in college, because that would have been such a great time to pursue some quote unquote side hustle things and to start building those extra revenue streams and building that network. I wish that I would have done that. I had a good friend in college who was always doing something kind of entrepreneurial. I remember she was baking and she started a baking blog and she was posting pictures of her baking. And we all kind of, we thought it was yummy, so cool, but we thought it was kind of strange that all of a sudden she just decided I'm going to be this baker, this entrepreneurial baker. And then she really enjoyed taking the pictures of what she baked. So then she transitioned from that into photography. And then all of a sudden it was photography, everything. I'm a photographer. I'm going to be a photographer. This is what I'm doing. And then she went from that, transitioned that into a lifestyle blog. And that lifestyle blog ended up, she graduated, we graduated college at the same time. She went into a corporate job and within like a year or two, that 
lifestyle blog was making her more money than her corporate job. And so she was able to leave and do that full time. And I look now at, I think that lasted her like 10 years. And then she ended up transitioning back into like nonprofit work in a nine to five. Mm -hmm. And I look at that. I actually sent her a message the other day and I said, I wish I had taken a page out of your book. I wish I had taken note of what you were doing because you were so forward thinking. Blogs were not hot yet. It was right at the beginning of even knowing what a blog was and what year was how to that? use that 2007 2008 so to be really ambitious like that and forward thinking of i could do something with this that could monetize be monetized that felt totally bizarre to us to the rest of us in that friend group and she was so forward thinking about it and i wish i could go back and tell my 18 years old self pay attention there that's those are the skills that you need to carry into your adult life with you not the corporate c-suite dreams that you're gonna kill yourself for and be living paycheck to paycheck (laughs) that's great especially now there's so many opportunities for side hustles, you know, starting at 18, starting, I mean, there's a lot of it that even start younger. I know there's podcasters that are like 12 and 13 years old. And that's fascinating to me. Like, absolutely agree. What brave souls they are. It's wonderful. Yeah. And I hope I can set that example for my kids too. They have three stepchildren. They are not children. (laughs) They are step adults. They are 18 soon to be 21 and 23. And they have very much been previously fed onto this conveyor belt of get a job, get a, you know, get something secure, maybe even pursue a trade. Let's put them onto a conveyor belt to a job. And I hope that this experience in our household can actually be a good example, set a good example for them of there's a lot, a lot of options. There's so many directions that your life could go. You don't have to be on a conveyor belt. It's so true. Kids are always watching. They're watching Mm -hmm. everything that you do. Mm -hmm. I remember when our oldest, he was 13. So this is a lot, probably 10 years ago. And he says to me, mom, I made my goals for the year and I wrote them down. He was 13 years old. And I never told him to write his goals down, but he did. And he brought them to me. I, I was, I was amazed. I don't know if he continued to do that every year, but I do know when he got to the point where he had to look at colleges and and things, you know, in his future, he had plans A, B, and C and didn't really want to get to plan C. Which means they also watched me get crushed when my job was eliminated. And they watched how that affected my emotional well-being, how that they don't know the ins and outs of how that affected our financial security, of course. But it was a month before Christmas. They certainly knew it impacted our holiday season. It impacted how I chose to start the new year. And then they see the difference between that and the way that we're living now and the way our emotional well-being is now and the way we spend money now. They can see all of those things. Mm -hmm. They're smart. Did you have a long commute with your corporate job? The most recent corporate job wasn't too bad. It was maybe 20, 25 minutes each way, but I have had really terrible commutes in the past. So I had a commute at the job before that, that would sometimes, depending on traffic, take an hour and a half. Yeah. One way. An hour and a half, one way. 
So that's so, like an extra 15 hours to your week. 100%. And now my lifestyle is we tend to work late, later into the afternoon and evening and even night. We stay up really late and then we don't wake up to an alarm. And because now my husband has been brought into the business with me, we wake up together when we naturally wake up. We tend to make a brunch together and enjoy each other's company and spend quality time together. And then we both go to our desks and work for the afternoon. And that is a really much more lovely way to work <laughs> than sitting in rush hour traffic for up to an hour and a half each way. I would say you just lost a lot of stress there by not setting an alarm. Totally. That right there is huge. Yes. Wonderful. So for our closing questions, I just, ha I have a, a few that I know our listeners would love to hear. What is your favorite personal development book or podcast? Generally speaking, I like women-led things. This is potentially an unpopular opinion, but I kind of feel like I've been listening to white men talk for most of my life in most of the spaces that I'm in. So I tend to look for women-led stuff pretty much 100% of the time and as often as possible really trying to listen to diverse voices, trying to read diverse authors, and really trying to open my mind to the things that I haven't already been taught over and over. So it's not just drilling stuff in. So one of my favorite books is the Anti-Racist Business Book by Trudy LeBron. I also am currently reading Financial Feminist from Tori Dunlap, and she has a podcast as well by the same name. But generally speaking, I like things women-led. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to put those in the, in the show notes as well. What's the best advice you've ever received? I can't quite remember where I heard this the first time, but I now say it all the time, and that is take what you want and leave the rest. And this applies to really any situation where someone gives you advice or tells you how to do things or tells you how things are supposed to be, take what you want and leave the rest. So that could be if you are going to like a religious service and you're being told things, if that's a coach or a mentor giving you advice. You know what? The first time I heard this might have been in a yoga class. Ooh. And she said, take what you want and leave the rest. So if it's something that doesn't serve you, leave it. And that has carried over with me into everything I read, everything I listen to, relationships that I have. I don't let it affect me if there's something that I disagree with or that I don't want to carry with me or take with me. That's okay. I'll take what I want and I'll leave the rest. So that's my my like biggest advice as well as the best advice I've ever gotten. I love that. You can relate that to running literally anything. Running your own yeah. business, yeah. make your own rules. Yes. And I love it. Take what serves you and if it doesn't serve you, leave it. Exactly. What's your favorite app or system that you use to streamline one of your everyday tasks? I couldn't pick one, so I picked two. One of them is Calendly, and I use that for scheduling. So I do have a paid version, and I don't know what the difference is from paid to free, but they do have a free version. It makes it really easy to schedule meetings with people, or if you have a podcast, to schedule interviews with people. It integrates with a ton of systems, including but not limited to Zoom, which is really helpful because most of us are using Zoom at the this point post post pandemic outbreak right and it translates the times into 
everybody is different time zones for them. So you don't have to worry about that. And it automatically will just sync to your calendar. So you've got that right there on your calendar. Like I mentioned, your Zoom account, you and I were talking about then when you open Zoom, the app on your computer, that meeting's already in there. It's just wonderful. And it takes scheduling to a whole new level. Uh, I also love in Calendly, with the paid version, you can do paid sessions. So you can go ahead and pay, have someone pay you for your time. You can set a paid appointment. You can also use the paid version to connect with somebody to try to coordinate schedules to create a one-off meeting. So if you and I are just trying to meet one time and it's not like a recurring type of meeting I need to schedule, we can uh, both propose times through Calendly to find one that works for both of us, if that makes sense. Oh, so. I love like everything about Calendly. It's totally worth the money, in my opinion, the best. And then the other one that I really love is Trello, which there's tons of project management systems out there or task management systems out there. I love Trello because I love post-it notes and it's basically like digital post-it notes. So you can put whatever, you can move it around, you can add checklists, you can add due dates, you can assign people to the card. So if you, or to the essentially post-it. So if you and another person are collaborating on a project, you can easily tag them or attach them to a task, which is really nice. And you can upload images and attachments to the post-it notes, which is like a whole extra level of post-it note that I very much need in my life. I love, love, love Trello. Trello is nice. You can, when you have a team, you can, they can do social media posting and blogs and all that, right? You can pull all the information from there. Do you use it for that yeah. kind of thing? I have. I have linked it with Zapier in the past, which is like an automa uh, automation software. And basically it can pull different fields from your essentially Trello post-it notes. They're not called that, but for the sake of if you're not familiar with Trello, it can essentially pull the different fields from any of those, they call them cards, and you can then spit that information back out in a different in a different app. So I have done that in the past. I'm not currently using it for that. Mostly right now, I'm using it to manage my weekly client load so I can see each week whose episodes have already been edited and posted and whose I still need to do. And I can look ahead at the rest of the month and see who's working ahead and, and all of that. So it's a really easy way for me to track that. I love it. Thank you. I'll add those to the show notes too. Wow. Not only you're so pleasant and a wealth of information. Oh, thank you. Thank you for helping me get this podcast off the ground too. You're fantastic. So for anybody, it's been really fun. It has been fun for anybody that who is thinking about starting a podcast or wants to start a podcast. Definitely get a hold of Sarah. Yes, please do. I do offer a totally completely free, no purchase necessary, 90 minute strategy session for anybody who's thinking about starting a podcast. So if you have an idea, you can get my brain on your business for 90 minutes and I will share with you my signature strategy that makes the difference between a podcast that has success and a podcast that never goes anywhere. So definitely take me up on that. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah K. Heater. You can also find me and Amanda at Big Brave Business. And then you can also, if you're not an Instagram person, you can also just go to sarahkheater.com. Wonderful. And we'll add those to the show notes too. Thanks, Sarah. Have an awesome My pleasure. Day. Thanks, you too. 